I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that P to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's Business and Buckets, we are live. Episode 134, the final episode of the Business and Buckets podcast chapter as we know it, as I am officially launching the rebrand uh, next week's podcast. And and super excited, lots of things to, to talk about there. But we're on episode 134 on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon as we prepare for some UFC action this weekend. We get the UFC Fight Night Vegas 74. Or, yeah, 74. No fights to recap from last weekend as there was a week off. Seems like once every couple months there's a weekend off, holiday weekend. And uh, we have some fights announced and some MMA action outside of the UFC as well. But since we've been diving headfirst into MMA, I will finally announce the launching of my MMA podcast, Bows and TKOs. I'll have lots of posts on my social media coming out this week, over the weekend, in the next week. And then we're going to have that every week. Maybe in the future, I'll break it down into two episodes a week, a quick Sunday-Monday podcast on the recap of the fights, and then a quick Thursday-Friday podcast on the preview. But I usually drop my podcast Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday or Thursday um, each week preview or recapping the weekend's past fights and previewing the upcoming week's fights. So if you guys have any input on if you'd like two versus one, let me know. I'm going to stick with the one format for the launching of Bows and TKOs, but that could, you know, we're always adapting here. Um, so definitely can uh, make some changes as, as that gets launched. And then the business side, right? The original vision of business and buckets podcast was to talk all things sports and business um, had the entrepreneur episodes, but for people that like the business podcast coming in and listening to sports now turn to just MMA, you get lost in the podcast. Don't know how to, you know, find the business ones, even though I label them, it's just, I can't quite do it like Joe Rogan does. So I'm rebranding them separately. So the people that like the business can enjoy the business. People that like the MMA now that we've changed and adapted can go MMA. And, uh, I will really just kind of be posted on my socials about the journey that I'm going on trying to make this podcast, uh, so, you know, uh, somewhat of a success, as you can say, it's something that is lucrative, provide a, a, a potential future career as I have my job, I have my career that pays the bills. This is my uh, attempt to running my own business, being my own entrepreneur and living my own vision. So there's a lot of things that I've experienced in the, the two years that I've been doing this. No advice, sought help, sought good people that are in the podcast world, funded it myself, you know, uh, uh, a full-grown shop from in, inside an inside job, I guess you can say. And all the learning experiences that I'm going through, I know that a lot of people that tune into podcasts might be thinking about running a business, thinking about doing their own podcast. It seems intimidating. There's a lot of things. And I don't know all the answers, but I can at least document my experiences, my stories, and help provide guidance to others like I was given. And that's going to be a lot of the things behind the business social media as the business episodes are only going to be once a month unless I can archive up tens and tens of interviews 
then I might start releasing them uh, more commonly. And the business podcast is going to be Business Unfiltered. So we have the Business and Buckets Podcast Network presenting Bows and TKOs, Business Unfiltered, Super Hyped. But let's dive in on the last and final episode for Business and Buckets. 134, we cranking, we doing it week in and week out. This week, we got Trevin Giles and Gabriel Bonfim booked for UFC 291 in Salt Lake City. And dude, I'm excited because uh, this past weekend, I went golfing with a buddy, lives in Prescott, a little bit more than an hour north of where I live in Phoenix. Beautiful because it's like 15 degrees cooler. It's just a different environment. And uh, I, I coaxed him into coming to Salt Lake City with me before I go to Montana for my monthly trip in the summer to watch UFC 91. That card stacked. Get to see one of the Bonfim brothers. Bring it on. Pour it on. Uh, we got Vicente Luque versus RDA going on August 12th. High-level mixed martial arts going to go down in that fight. We have Odie Osborne booked with Asu Almabayev August 5th which has been announced a night fight night card, maybe a pay-per-view, I'm not sure yet, in Nashville. So more and more new cities getting added on the summer slate of fights. We have Joanne Calderwood. Uh, Joanne Wood taking on Priscilla Cojera, UFC 291 in Salt Lake. Going to see another legend veteran JoJo go at it at the brand new Delta Center. As a jazz fan, I grew up watching games in Salt Lake City at the Delta Center it went to Vivid Smart Home Arena. It is back to the Delta Center. The fights are going there. Uh, probably the only time I'm going to be at that arena anytime soon as a Jazz fan, I, I would assume. You never know. And then we have uh, Tagir Olenbekov taking on Jake Hadley August 5th. Tagir has been out for some time. It'll be great to see him back. And then Benoit St. Denis and Ismael Bonfim, the other brother, uh, going to be taking um, action first a couple weeks before his brother on July 1st. And then for this weekend, I was really excited to see Garam Kutataladze back in. Well, he has been pulled out of the fight for unknown reasons. I'm assuming an injury. Uh, so Jamie Malarkey is starting the main card off against a short notice opponent, Muhammadjan Naimov. Uh, so we'll still get to see Jamie Malarkey, all of his hard fight camp work getting paid in, paying dividends. And then um, outside of UFC fights, we have Bellator announcing their Bellator versus Risen 2 event happening the same weekend as 291. Good luck competing with that on July 30th. Uh, it's headlined by AJ McKee versus Patricky Pitbull. The probably most loaded fight you can get in Bellator right now. One of the best ones you can get. I know they have Nemkov and uh, Romero coming up soon. Bellator is putting the A-listers out there. And they have announced uh, a flyweight competition for the first ever flyweight champion in Bellator as they expand their roster. Um, let's see what their names are. I think one of them has been a staple for Bellator. At least I know his name. And I'm not going to act like I'm an expert in other promotions outside of the UFC. If you've been tuning in, hearing my stuff, I, I bring up things that if you're not a hardcore fight fan, you're casual, or you're a hardcore, you want to know what to tune into, that's what I'm talking about. This is going to be worth turning into. It's, it's a fun promotion versus promotion setup. I wish other promotions would do stuff like this more because they can't compete with the UFC. It brings in eyes. 
Um, let's see. So Juan uh, Archuleta and Tofik Musayev are going to be fighting against Risen. They don't have announced fights yet. Those are good fighters, though. Let's see. Okay, so Kyoji Horiguchi, that's the guy that I knew of. He's a former bantamweight uh, champion. Uh, he once challenged Demetrius Johnson for the flyweight title. <clears throat> He's taking on Risen's Mikado Takahashi. So um, they are going to be booking that fight for the flyweight championship. It's going to be a ton of fun. A lot of action going down. I can't remember what else is that weekend, but I want to say some big boxing fight. So you get a box. Yeah, you get the the recently announced big boxing fight. Forget the opponents, but big boxing fight. UFC 291 and Bellator versus Risen 2 at the end of July. The summer, the, the fight game's always heating up. And then... This past weekend, I didn't watch this back on Fight Pass yet. I wanted to watch some of this back. Um, but since I've been doing gi jiu-jitsu, I'm more focused on the gi. And seeing these guys uh, with no gi doesn't really help me for a visual learning standpoint. But uh, we had Fury Pro 7 this Saturday. Reen Sousa defeats Andre Petrosky. Uh, one of the better grapplers in the UFC takes an L, but via straight ankle lock. And that seemed to be somewhat common as Bill Algeo Loses to Andrew Kokel via straight ankle lock as well. These grappling guys trying to get their advantages in with some with some deep submission moves here. And then the headliner, Joe Pfeiffer. Be like Joe. Every time I hear his name, I got to say that. Defeating Gerald Mearshart via unanimous decision. But we got a fight night card in primetime this weekend as the NBA Finals kick off the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Championship happening later in the weekend as well. 6 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. Prelims at 3 p.m. Pacific, ESPN. Mainstream, you don't have to have the ESPN Plus paywall to watch this. Some good fights we will not break down. We have Damon Blackshear taking on Luan Lacerda. John Castaneda taking on Dana White Contender Series alum Mathus Mendonca. And Daniel Santos versus Johnny Munoz. And then obviously Jamie Malarkey in the main card against this guy that I have no clue about. So we are going to start it with the first fight of the night in the prelims. We got Felipe Monstro Linz, the 37-year-old fighter with a 16-5 record, taking on Maxim Maximus Grishin, the 39-year-old fighter with a 32-9-2 record. I like this matchup. I'm honestly surprised that this is the matchup that's, that's starting the night. Um, Felipe is trying to continue his momentum at light heavyweight, moving down from heavyweight. And he's taking on a veteran opponent who's really got somewhat of the same track record as he does. He came from the PFL, fought some at light heavyweight, some at heavyweight. So a great matchup as both guys are looking to climb into the top 15. Maxim has a boxing and kickboxing background. He is a PFL and M1 alum. He is on a one-fight winning streak and is only 2-2 two two since the beginning of 2020. And 16 of his 32 wins are via knockout. So, obviously, good at, uh, with the power, has some knockouts, come from that kickboxing background. Um, he is on a one-fight winning streak, but hasn't been super active since 2020 as he's entering almost 40 years old. 
Felipe, he's got a black belt in BJJ. He is a PFL and Bellator alum. He won the 2018 PFL Heavyweight Championship. Got that Millie. Came back to the UFC. Nine of his 16 wins are via knockout. Four of his five losses are also via knockout. To knock out or to be knocked out. Kind of typical for the big dogs. Now, obviously, Maxim has some quality kickboxing fights in the UFC, not just kickboxing style, and has done well, got some knockouts. I like the hands of Felipe, though. I feel like he's really improved coming from the PFL. I think he had a little bit of an ego, winning that million, winning the championship, got humbled a little bit, has really worked to perfect his craft. I mean, where these guys are at in their careers, I feel like they're both in a real big need for a win in the UFC to try to continue to build their brand and stay with the UFC. I expect Felipe to come out aggressive. I think he's going to be all over Maxim. He's going to have to watch out for those big counterattacks. But I would be shocked if this went the distance. I like Felipe's movement a little bit better. He's a little bit younger and has fought some quality opponents. And he's the underdog. We're, we're putting money on the underdog early. I'm taking Felipe Linz, but I, I would not put him on a, a parlay of that sort. He's a plus 110 dog as it stands right now, but nice little dog play for you to start the night. Then we have another veteran showdown. We have Andre the Pitbull Orlovsky, fucking legend, 44 years old with a 34-21 and 21 record, 55 professional fights, Taking on Dontel Lord Kong Mays, the 31-year-old fighter with a 9-5 record. Now, this is a fun matchup for as Andre looks to bounce back after an impressive four-fight winning streak over the past couple of years. And Dontel is looking for momentum since he's got his Dana White Contender Series victory and got a UFC contract. It's definitely been hit or miss. When we break down Andre, he's got a long resume. Uh, as we know, he trains out of American Top Team. He's an international master of sport and sambo. He's a former UFC heavyweight champion. He has the second most wins in UFC history at 23. The second most uh, fights in UFC history at 39. The most wins in UFC heavyweight history at 23. The most fights in UFC heavyweight history at 39. He has the most fight time in UFC heavyweight history with over 6 hours and 11 minutes. And he has the highest takedown defense success in UFC heavyweight history at 88%. And the most decision wins in UFC heavyweight history with 12. He has the most significant strikes landed in a UFC heavyweight history with over, well, 1,336 strikes. The most strikes landed, not significant, but most strikes in UFC heavyweight history, 1,617. He was the 2015 Comeback Fighter of the Year and had the 2015 Round of the Year against Travis Brown. He has placed second at the World Sambo Championships pre-MMA career. He is uh, a World Series of Fighting alum, 1FC, Strike Force, Elite XC, Affliction, and M1 alum. It's fucking Andre, man. 17 of his 34 wins are via knockout. And 11 of his 21 losses are via knockout. So again, the theme with the big dogs, to knock out or to be knocked out. Now, Don Tell is a Dana White Contender Series LFA and RFA alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak. Five of his nine wins are via knockout. 
Two of his five losses are via submission, and he does have a five-inch reach advantage in this fight. Pretty big reach. Now, clearly, I think Andre is more of a well-rounded fighter. I think he's going to use his experience to his advantage here, come up with a good game plan, get back on track after the recent loss. And um, besides the rear naked choke loss, he has looked really good for his age. Um, I, I think Dontel definitely possesses some knockout power. With that reach, he's going to try to keep Andre at range, stay off the cage, not look to, to get taken down and be in the grappling game, doesn't want part of that jujitsu. Um, but again, I just think the savviness of Andre, the quality of opponents, and the way he's looked in the octagon, I'm putting my money on Andre. I believe he is the favorite. Let's see. No, he is the underdog at plus 100. We're putting money on the underdogs. I'm taking Andre, uh, not uh, putting him in a parlay, but I, I like his chances. Back-to-back -back dogs are coming to eat. And then we have Abubakar Nurmagomedov, the 33-year-old fighter with a 17-3-1 record, taking on Elizu Copiera Dos Santos, the 36-year-old fighter with a 23-7 record. Now we got another Nurmagomedov. You know, he definitely has some, some momentum. And he's taking on a UFC fighter who has fought very stiff competition and has done well. He, he has... Wins over Max Griffin, Sean Strickland. Had a split decision loss against Muslim Salikov. Very close fight. Um, so it should be a, a, a fun matchup. Abubakar has a Sambo background and is an international master of sport in Sambo. He's a Nurmagomedov. That, that's, a, that's a given. Also a given, he trains out of AKA. He is a PFL and World Series of Fighting alum. He is on a two-fight winning streak since the beginning of 2021. Stacking up some wins, hasn't been super active. And six of his 17 wins are via knockout. Two of his three losses are via submission. Elizu has a Muay Thai, BJJ, and Cap Capiera background. He has a black belt in BJJ and a black rope in Capiera. And he is a jungle fight alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-1 and one since the beginning of 2020. So again, hasn't been very active, but... This is his first fight back since the USADA suspension for Osterine. Uh, we've seen a couple of those pop up. Everyone's blaming tainted substances. Who, who knows? Tainted supplements, I should say. I think I really would have liked Elizu in this fight, but it's a little bit more interesting because he hasn't fought in 20 months. I'm sure he's been, you know, active, prepping for the comeback. I, I haven't seen any footage or anything on him in the meantime. I forgot he was even on the roster, to be quite frank. I think he is more of a well-rounded fighter than Abubakar, and I think he will have a big advantage on the feet. But we're about to find out. I'm taking Elizu. Let's see. I think he might be the favorite. He uh, It's 110-110, so pretty much a pick and fight. Um, I would put him on a parlay, though. I would mark that ish down, and we, let's make that bread. Moving on to the main card, we got Tim Elliott, the 36-year-old fighter with a 19-12-1 record, and the number 11 uh, next to his name, taking on Victor El Magnifico Altamirano, the 32-year-old fighter with a 12-2 record. Now, Tim is a veteran in the, and staple of the flyweight division, taking on a young Contender Series alum that is looking to continue his winning ways. 
Now, Tim trains out of Extreme Couture. He's a blue belt in BJJ. He has a D2 wrestling background out of Labette Community College. And he has the most efficient decision bouts in, Uf in the UFC flyweight division. He is a Titan FC alum and former champions uh, of Titan FC with two successful title defenses. And he is an RFA alum as well. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-1 since the beginning of 2021. Six of his 18 wins are via submission, and five of his 12 losses are also via submission. To submit or be submitted. Now, Victor is on a two-fight winning streak. He's 3-1 in the UFC. He is a contender series and LFA alum, and four of his 12 wins are via submission. I was recently really impressed with Victor's win against Venetia Salvador in March. What a barn burner that was. You know, he's definitely jumping right into the top of the division against a veteran who has fought the best of the best in the division. I'm not too, quite sure he's quite ready for this, this level of competition, but he's 32 years old in his prime. He showed uh, his mixed bag of tricks in the Venetia's fight recently. I mean, that was on the ground. That was standing. The, the pace that they had, the, the cardio and stamina that they needed, he's going to need all of that and more against Tim Elliott. I am taking Tim. He is currently a minus 170 favorite, but I am avoiding him in a parlay if, if possible. And then we have uh, another veteran showdown, Jim A. 10 Miller, the 39-year-old fighter with a 35 and 17 record, taking on Jared Flash Gordon, the 34-year-old fighter with a 19 and six record. Now Jared's jumping right back in the action. Uh, as a short notice fill-in, you know, he's definitely gone through some, some shit re uh, of late. He had the bad luck in the patty fight that I thought he clearly won. He had the accidental headbutt against Bobby just a couple weeks ago. And he's fighting a guy that's looking to continue to break records, get back in the win column himself after a loss recently this year in February. So uh, they've been active, they're aggressive, and, and there's a lot on the line in this fight. Now, Jim is a black belt in BJJ. He has a D1 wrestling background out of Virginia Tech. He has the most wins in UFC history with 24, the most bouts in UFC history with 41, most bouts in UFC lightweight division history with 38, most wins in the lightweight division, 21, most finishes in UFC lightweight division with 14. He had the 2012 fight of the year against Joe Lozon. He has the most fight time in UFC lightweight division history with over six hours and 18 minutes. It's funny how close him and Andre Arlovsky's stats are. It's a lot of time in an octagon. The most submission attempts in UFC history with 47 of them things. If he gets a submission victory against Jared Gordon, he will pass Donald Cerrone for the most finishes. He's at 16. And Damian Maya for the most submission wins at 11. So a lot on the line. He could be tied for uh, the most finishes and submission wins. He has the most decision bouts in UFC lightweight history with 18. Jim is a Cage Fury alum and former champion and a Ring of Combat alum. 19 of his 35 wins are via submission. He is on a one-fight losing streak, but is 3-2 since the beginning of 2021. So for a guy with all this on his resume at 39 years old, he's been active. 
and he does have a three-inch reach advantage. Now, Jared trains out at Killcliffe FC. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He's a Cage Fury alum and former champion. He's coming off the no contest and a loss. He has won two and one since the beginning of 2022. So although not a very good one, two and one, he's been active. Six of his 19 wins are via knockout. And four of his six losses are also via knockout. Now, Jared's been grinding, man. He had the no contest, no payday, the, the ridiculous loss, which is half your purse. I'm sure he, he could use some, some, some bread. Um, the pros of this for him is he's going to be in shape. He hasn't been able to have time to get out of shape. He's also game plan for very high opponents. You know, Bobby Green, Patty Pimblett, now Jim Miller. Some of the, the downfalls for this, though, he could very well be worn out, you know, depleted from fight camp strung up uh, and back-to-backs like this. And in a short-notice fight, he doesn't have a full game plan. And he's, he's now wrestling a guy that's a way better grappler than he had fought. Although Bobby can wrestle, he never likes to. He just likes to, to fucking clang and bang. So he's definitely having to prepare for a lot of different things. Um, listening to um, Bilal Muhammad on how hard Jared wants it and how, you know, how Jared's just jumping back in, he definitely, I think, has more on the line here, as weird as that is to say. You know, obviously Jim is going for records, but um, I don't think Jim plans on being a championship fighter anytime soon. I don't know really if Jared's going to have that chance at 34, just to be blunt. Uh, I'm sure, you know, he he probably is somewhat realistic with themselves, especially in the division that they're in. Um, but I think Jared is is got the fountain of youth to his advantage. I think he's going to push the pace, look to get Jim down. He's got to be careful with the jiu-jitsu with Jim. But I think he, he tries to fight a conservative game plan. If it was up to me and I'm watching three rounds of these guys, I assume Jared's going to win by a decision. But because Jared's had such bad luck with the judges, if you go and wrestle and don't do a lot on top like the Patty fight, um, you know, there is a chance where Jim's maybe throwing up submission attempts, even though Jared does have top control, lands a couple more strikes, and he could steal the victory. So, yeah, this is a very, very close fight. The odds have Jared Gordon at minus 175. I am going to agree with the odds. I am taking Jared, but this is about as damn close as it gets. And uh, selfishly, I mean, how can you not root for Jim Miller to get some of these more, more of these records? A guy that's had health issues, had his back against the wall, and just always uh, shows up and shows out. So I'm a fan. And then two more fights on the main card. Super excited for this fight to see Alex... Bruce Leroy Caceres, the 34-year-old fighter with a 20-13 and 13 record and the number 15 next to his name, taking on Daniel the Pit Pineda, 37-year-old fighter with a 28-14 and 14 record. And I've just been hyped to see Alex back in the octagon after that crazy uh, head kick knockout over Julian Arosa. Uh, he was scheduled for a banger against Nate the Train Landwehr, uh, but he withdrew in that fight. So now we get him against Daniel Pineda, who's coming off a great win of his own after some time due off to that amphetamine suspension. So you know he's hungry, and uh, getting a top 15 guy is probably the biggest thing that could happen for him right now. Alex is a southpaw fighter. He's a ultimate fighter and king of the cage alum. Two of his three uh, last three fights have been performance of the night, so he's showing up, he's showing out. 
I mean, with a name like Bruce Leroy, uh, you better be able to do that. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 3-1 and one since the beginning of 2021. So not super active since 2021, but stringing together some momentum. He's flirted with the top 15 uh, a couple times in his career. Seven of his 20 wins are via submission. Seven of his 13 losses are also via submission. To submit or be submitted, he has a 4.5-inch reach advantage and a 3-inch leg reach advantage. Got some length to his side. Now, Daniel is an orthodox fighter. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's a Bellator, an LFA alum, as well as Legacy FC, where he is a former champion. He is on a one-fight winning streak. 19 of his 28 wins are via submission. Six of his 14 losses are via submission. So these guys have had a lot of submissions on the line, good or bad, in their careers. Now, clearly, Daniel's going to be looking to get his groove back a little bit, right? He's had a lot of time off. This is a challenging matchup that's very, someone that's very hard to game plan with the angles he comes at you, the speed, the patience that uh, Alex has. And he's rolling. He's got the confidence. I expect Alex's kickboxing to just be the difference here. If the fight's on the canvas, obviously a lot of things can uh, happen. It's going to be a lot more interesting of a fight. But I think Alex's pace on the feet and on the ground will play in his favor. If Daniel does get the takedown, Alex is just so good with his hips to be able uh, to keep the body moving, get up against the cage, get up on your feet, and, and shed that down. And I'll be interesting to see if, if a couple takedown attempts for Pineda, if he continues uh, to try to do that, because that could empty your gas tank as well. But Alex, he's been in a lot of situations. He's, he's sneaky. He's long. He's got the length advantage here. And I think the kickboxing is going to show out. I'm taking Bruce Leroy. I'm putting him on a parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main event. We have Kai, don't blink, Cara France, the 30-year-old fighter with a 24-10 and record, and the number three next to his name, taking on Amir, the Prince Albazi, 29 years old with a 16-1 and record, and the number seven next to his name. Finally, the flyweights get some love. I am fired up for this flyweight main event. We get a massive measuring stick for Amir in the UFC, which, is, you know, he's entering his prime, so it's, it's a good time. He's undefeated in the UFC. He only has one pro loss. He's obviously taking on a flyweight contender that is a big step up in competition. I believe the highest-ranked fighter Amir fought was Zalgas Zumagalov, uh, who is just outside the top 15. And uh, this is a very pivotal matchup for Kai as well, coming off a title shot loss to Brandon Reno. You're now fighting number seven. You take a loss there. There is huge implications for Kai in this, and, and uh, big balls for him to take this fight. Uh, probably a guy that not a lot of people want to take in the flyweight division who has a nice stand-up and grappling mix. Now, Kai trains with the best out of city kickboxing. He has a blue belt in BJJ. Four of his last five fights were performance of the night or five fight of the night. He's been having some scraps. You got to love the speed and, and the aggressiveness of these flyweights. This is going to be fun. He is on a one-fight losing streak. He is 3-1 and one since the beginning of 2021, and 11 of his 24 wins are via knockout, which is very impressive for the flyweight division, which if you don't know, 125 pounds. Yeah, that, that's great. Amir has a purple belt in BJJ. 
He's a Bellator and Brave CF alum. He's on a five-fight winning streak and is undefeated in the UFC. Nine of his 16 wins are via submission. And five of his 16 are via knockout. So 14 of his 16 wins are via finish. Very, very impressive. Now, the question for me here is, and, and that we're going to get answered, is can Kai keep off of the cage and avoid the takedown from Amir? I think Amir has shown quality striking. Um, I, I believe his game plan is going to be to get Kai down. Kai has shown uh, some, some struggles with guys that could take him down. I think Kai is definitely going to have the experience advantage. He's fought higher-level quality opponents. A very good Brandon Moreno looked good striking with him. Um, has that five-round experience. There's a lot of benefits here for Kai. But uh, when you look at high-quality fighters, if there is a guy that can just get you down and smother you, it's going to be a challenging night in the octagon. Um, I think Kai's experience and the team around him is going to be the big advantage. And he has that knockout power. Although Amir's shown improved striking, is it at the quality of kickboxing that we're about to see? I doubt it. I'm sure he's hungry after the Moreno loss. I am taking Kai Car of France, the Vegas favorite, which at right now is only 110-110. It has gone down. So a lot, a lot of close Vegas fights, but I'm going with don't blink. Don't blink. You might get a finish. I'm putting them on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. And then next weekend, a pay-per-view card in Vancouver, Canada, UFC 289. Some bangers going on. We got Amanda Nunez, the lioness, the quote, taking on Irene Aldana, the Mexican badass. And we have Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush, the striking, the jits, the ground game. Oh, boy, is that going to be fun to break down on the first week of bows and TKOs next week. Again, stay tuned for the messaging there. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. See you guys next week with the rebrand.